screw this trend for the West Coast, East Coast. Screw the trap game with the Jets. No, this is my Raiders. They're minus three. They're getting to their seventh win. Um, I'm on my Raiders game, minus three points. I'll let you go and respond to that. I don't even know what you just said. Listening back, it really did sound like the incoherent mumblings of a crazy person making their Raiders pick. That was me. And this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Also from last week, I got caught on another word uh, little, you know, spot where I just keep repeating the same word over and over again throughout the podcast. And I don't know if you noticed, but it was wonderful. I kept saying, oh, that's wonderful, or I don't know what I was doing. But anyway, there was two other times this year where I had to ban myself first from saying uh, it was oddly enough. I kept doing that one podcast, so that's out. That's on the ban list. Then it was essentially, and now it's wonderful. So I don't know what I'm going to go Rain Man on this week, but uh, I look forward to finding out when I listen back. Uh, That should be fun. Ahead, we start with a college football DFS full preview of Friday Friday's uh, Turkey Trot Hangover on DK, and then uh, the day contest preview for Saturday, the full 11-game main slate. We're going to get to that first. Then we get to a mega giant 22-board game of college and pro picks with a doctor. Plenty to get to. Let's go. Okay, welcome everyone to the College Football DFS preview. We're going to start with Friday's nine-game Thanksgiving hangover contest on DK. Now, typically, if you read on Fake Pigs, can I do my written previews there? Um, As I mentioned last week on this pod, uh, schedule changes and just the holidays, just throwing uh, the timing off and it's just easier to do it here for now. So we're going to continue here this week and, you know, we'll get back to the writing eventually, but uh, right now we're just going to run through two contests and then I'll post a another Saturday night pod uh, later on probably Friday night or early Saturday morning. So look for that as well. Let's start in that Friday contest and we'll go game by game and I'll just give you my, you know, hot takes and thoughts on each contest and what I like and what I don't like. So, first game, Washington State at Washington in the rivalry week. Um, Washington, minus 7.5 over under 63.5. So, what I like here mostly is investing in this Husky offense. Uh, Jacob Eason at quarterback. Hunter Bryant, especially at 5,300 at receiver, is a nice value play. And Selvin Ahmed for running back. I just think they're a very nice, kind of affordable offense to stack this week. Maybe similar to like the Michigan offense last week. So um, really like this matchup there for him. I mean, if you watched last week, that Washington State off or sorry defense uh, against Oregon State. I mean, that was just it's ridiculous. So you know Washington's been able to put up uh, plenty of scoring here. And um, Washington State, I don't. You know, hate them. It's kind of a tougher spot for them on the road against more of a quality defense. I don't know if I really am too interested in investing in those uh, higher prices. I don't hate them, but with the price and the matchup, maybe you want to tread lightly there. So that's kind of all I'm going to say about this game. You know who the guys are for Washington State because you know again they cost all the money. You know Anthony Gordon, Max Borgie, uh, 
Aesop Winston Jr. Um, we know. We know what kind of numbers they can put up, but just uh, be aware of the matchup. A little tougher spot here. It's not going to be like Oregon State last week. So let's head to Texas Tech at Texas. Texas minus 10 and over under 63 and a half. And here we go again with this Texas Tech running back situation. Surrider Thompson last week, again, getting the lion's share. Pretty much all, all the carries almost had a 21 84 and one line on the ground. Also added seven catches for 28 yards. He's 5,600. You know, if we're assuming the, the role, uh, he's a nice value here against a very bad Texas defense. It's been poor all year long. So um, I like him there. Consider that. Uh, another thing to look for is if TJ Vasher uh, continues to be held out for a suspension, which he was last week. R.J. Turner looks like the guy who is going to uh, have the most benefit at receiver for Texas Tech. He had a 7-141 in one line last week, um, and he's a nice price under the average price range. So a lot of value there for him as well uh, against, again, just a, a, a rough Texas outfit on defense. So um, some zero-proof dart throws maybe for Tech. Uh, Dante Thompson at receiver, 3,600. Cassan uh, Carter also at 3,300. If you're just looking for a guy who you want you know, I want just one or two catches out of it to just get my price up. I like those two guys. And then the Longhorn offense is kind of business as usual. It's Ellinger, Duvernay. Um, if you want to roll out with Keontae Ingram, I'm okay with it. But there's just, he's so dependent on the, the volume. Uh, and, and it's going to be hard for him to get touchdowns because Ellinger works almost exclusively as a goal line back for them. So um, just be aware of that. I don't, I don't hate him. It's a nice matchup. But... You can probably do better at uh, running back with that kind of price. So let's go to Cincy at Memphis. Memphis is the 11.5 point favorite at home over under 57.5. And we're here with the Kenneth Gainwell, Patrick Taylor uh, kind of conundrum again, where I just think this is something based on their prices you just want to avoid, right? I mean, last week it just went with, you know, Taylor Jr. getting the touchdowns. Gainwell still had, you know, a nice workload, but it's unpredictable. You're never going to know how to do it. And it's, it's too much money with that risk. So I'm out on that uh, backfield. And then they have the Cincy offense, who's been struggling really badly the last two games. Uh, Desmond Ritter thrown for under 100 yards the last two games against you know pretty bad uh, American athletic teams that you can should be able to put up uh, decent performances on. So I just a little uh, weary there. I, I'm probably going to look elsewhere. I think the only playable piece in that offense right now is probably Michael Warren Jr. running back. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of out on Cincy for the most part besides him. And can someone explain the price on Alec Pierce, the receiver for Cincinnati? Is it like 57 or 5,600? I, I don't know. It was it was just bizarre. I, I don't know why. I was like, he, I, who was playing him? Uh, I don't think – I think his best game all year is maybe like six catches for 100 yards. Usually a guy who's around like, you know, a two or three catch – uh, game. So that was just bizarre to see that. DK does some funny things sometimes. So uh, there's that game. Let's go to um, App State at Troy. I think the big news here. Okay, so first of all, App State is 12.5 point favorites over under 62. Big news here. Corey Sutton, the receiver for App State, their leading receiver, is out for season. So I think there's going to be some natural uh, increases in Thomas Hennigan and Malik Williams production here. They make some uh, nice value plays around the $5,000 mark. And then um, this is a very uh, three wide out heavy set offense here 
where they, those three guys at this point in the year have 40 plus catches and 500 plus yards. So I think that makes Jalen Virgil kind of a logical choice to benefit from this the most as kind of the fourth wideout. Um, he's at 3,800. So, uh, and I think he's, he was second on a team behind Sutton at 14 and a half yards per catch right now. So I think he takes some natural um, boost here, the most logical one to kind of benefit from this in the lower price range. And then on the other side, you know, look, this is uh, with, with Troy. This is a projected game to be about, you know, maybe around 40 to 30 the way Vegas has it. So, look, I think that means, hey, if you're getting 30 points in an offense, that means DK Billingsley, the running back for Troy, Kaylin Geiger, wide receiver, their leading receiver. Uh, I think they have fantastic prices and it, considering their role in the offense because he's Billingsley, you have the workhorse role. He has nine touchdowns. He's caught at least one pass in every game. And then uh, Geiger, I, I think arguably might have the safest floor on the board at receiver. He's caught at least four passes in every game um, and has uh, plenty of performances to show that he's capable of big upside. All the positive game flow you're going to need uh, for passing. And then he's just kind of that like 5'10", 170-pound shifty burner guy who just, you know, slot guy, gets open all over the place. And... Uh, possession guy. So, um, what, what's their quarter, uh, their quarterback's name? I forget. Kate, Kate Barber or something. Anyway, Kate, uh, and it doesn't matter. He's the guy he looks to kind of as a possession guy a lot to continue drive. So I really like him here. Uh, he he's a nice price. And then another guy who's under the average price range, I really like, is Khalil McLean. He's the six four, two hundred twenty seven pound receiver. That's the red zone threat. He leads the team with seven touchdown catches. So he's at 4,700, and I think that's a nice value play in that game. Let's move on to Boise State at Colorado State. Boise State is 14-point favorites over under 57.5. I am all in on the Boise offense here, kind of similar to Washington. Uh, this is just a fantastic matchup for everyone to be productive. A lot of value at receiver with Khalil Shakir and C.T. Thomas. They already are the kind of the secondary uh, receivers to high tower in this offense, but both are usually good for maybe four to five catches with some upside here in a plus matchup. So look for them uh, as some nice value plays. Also the freshman running back, George Halani, undervalued, I think at 6,100, kind of similar to that Billingsley uh, role mentioned for Troy. He just has that, you know, that workhorse role. He's gonna get almost all the work there in, in a really nice matchup. So um, good good value there the whole offense is just kind of a cheap stack if you will um like i talked about with washington so um yeah boise all the way here and for csu on the other side it's pretty much warren jackson at receiver or nothing i don't really have any interest their running back position is a mess so um yeah he's kind of the only reliable piece in my mind so let's go to uh south florida at central florida Central Florida is a big 23 and a half point favorite over under of 63 in this game. Um, so I think the big thing here is Jordan Cronkite, I believe is ruled out as the running back for South Florida. And the guy I mentioned last week is kind of a speculative play. Maybe something's going on. Uh, you know, they're kind of making a youth movement. It's a bad team. They're trying to get guys playing time. Kelly Joyner Jr. is now the starting tailback expected to get a vast majority of the work. And I think his price, which I believe is around 38 or 3900, he's a must start in my mind because of what he can do uh, with his role and 
in the, um, the price, right? That's, that's that combo you want every week. So he's going to boost that cap up. He's going to get probably anywhere from 15 to 20 touches um, in, in a, a matchup where, you know, UCF, they're just trying to outscore everybody. They'll give up plenty of points themselves. Um, so in this, this game projects them to get around 20-some eh, points, we'll say, for South Florida. So I think Kelly Joyner Jr. here is a must-start, like I said. And again, he is uh, slated at receiver in the contest. So look for that as well, even though he is the running back. So um, there's that. As far as Central Florida goes, um, look, fantastic offense uh, for, for like real football purposes, and they're going to put up plenty of points. But as far as reliability and predictability right now, right here, they're a mess. Uh, Greg McRae came back from injury, um, which is good for them, obviously, from a football standpoint, for fantasy and DFS purposes. Uh, that It's not good. Uh, Otis Anderson, uh, what's what's the other guy? Bentavious, um, I forget his last name at the moment, but the point is, is they're playing four running backs right now uh, in rotation. And there's no way of really telling who's going to get the work, when they're going to get it, how they're going to be used. So um, as good as the offense is, it's impossible to predict what they're going to do at running back. And the other big news with them is Daryl Mack Jr. in the goal line situations playing quarterback over Dylan Gabriel. And I think this goes back to a few weeks where they played at Cincinnati and Gabriel was having a lot of trouble in the red zone. They were getting down there, uh, you know, first and goals inside of 10, and he was having a lot of trouble executing their short precision throws. And so I think what they've done is they've made a pivot to work playing Daryl Mack Jr., who's a little more of a kind of a running back slash quarterback um, in there in those situations. And now what it's doing is it really limits the upside of everyone in this offense now, right? Because, you know, Gabriel's not going to get those touchdowns. Um, the, the running backs we already talked about. And then because they're they're running a lot of RPOs with Gabriel, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Mac in those goal line situations, um, it just takes away from uh, the receivers like Gabriel. So, um, yeah, I, really what you're doing here with them is you have to count on long touchdowns if you really want to get uh, value from a lot of these guys. There's still going to be plenty of value from receiver, uh, from, from the higher price guys that we all know, but um, it's just tough to rely on now. It's, it's throwing a complete monkey wrench into this, what usually is a very uh, saucy DFS offense. So just be aware of that uh, as you're playing. It, it's going to be hard to harder and harder to play guys on UCF moving forward. And let's get to Vatek at Virginia. Virginia Tech is minus 2.5 and 47. And all I have to say about this game is simple. Uh, it's pretty much Bryce Perkins or bust. And then there's also been a kind of a, a misadjustment for Terrell Janna, the wide receiver of Virginia. Uh, he's at 44. He's kind of been breaking out. Looks like they maybe found something here in this passing game with him and Bryce Perkins. His last four games, 6 for 75, 13 for 146, 9 for 108, and 456 in one line. That was against Liberty last week, so obviously uh, if it had been a more competitive game, uh, I'm sure he would have stayed in and they would have been a lot higher stat line for him. So um, that's one guy you definitely should look for in this contest uh, as, a, as a kind of a nice building block piece. Other than that, uh, I want nothing to do with anybody in this game at all. Uh, if you must, uh, go ahead. I, I leave it to you. So I'm out on everything else. Let's take it to 
Iowa at Nebraska. Iowa minus five and a half over under 44 and a half. Again, kind of a game where not really all that interested for DFS purposes. The one thing I'll say is that I, I think Tyler Goodson is intriguing for Iowa. Um, he's kind of made a shift there to him as more of the feature back in what was used to be a very murky backfield with maybe two, three, four guys sometimes. But the last two games, uh, he's kind of been the more effective runner in that offense. And he's 4,300. So again, a, a spot where DK really hasn't adjusted their prices to his role. Um, so I think there's some nice value there against, look, uh, Nebraska defense, that's terrible. They're allowing 184 yards alone on the ground per game. That's an average of 184 yards. So um, we know Iowa just, they love to run the ball. So um, I think Goodson is probably good for like another 15 to 20 touches here in a nice plus matchup. On the Nebraska side, I, I mean, Wandale Robinson and J.D. Spielman, yeah, maybe. I, I, you know, I think they have value, the, the decent prices, but it's just a bad matchup, and uh, they're, they have not been good when they've gone against the more quality uh, opponents. Um, if, if Wandale Robinson plays, I think he's involved enough in the passing and running attack that I think he can have value. But um, overall, it's, it's going to be, it looks like an ugly game, 44.5 over-under. Uh, I'll look elsewhere. And that elsewhere will probably be in this last game uh, for the slate. It is West Virginia at TCU over under 13, sorry, uh, TCU is minus 13 and a half, over under 43 and a half. I am out on the Mountaineer offense, as you might suspect. Uh, nothing to see there. Uh, Sam James, maybe, if you want to like toss something out there. But the quarterback play is so bad that it's just hard to rely on, on any consistency there week to week. So um, that said, I am in. Of course, on the TCU offense, uh, Jalen Rager, I think he's priced is still uh, undervalued at 5,500 here. And Darius Anderson, um, I like him in a spot here where I think for the first time in a while, TCU will project to have some really positive game flow in rushing attack uh, in the second game, in the second half of that game. So um, he's a guy who can have some really big games and break big plays. So um, West Virginia, one of the weaker teams and defenses in that conference i think tc will have their way with them so um and you know my max duggan Lo love me max duggan uh, he he's pretty much a horrendous passer right now but um you know against a defense like this i think he can take advantage he's proven to be, take advantage of um, of plus matchups before so yeah I i'm fine with uh, my max duggan here so that is it for that contest here i'm just gonna rattle off um where i'm looking here in that lineup uh so my lineup if you start out with tyler goodson and joiner um like i mentioned for south florida and maybe even a Jana at receiver for virginia that's going to leave you right at 74 7480 for the rest of your slots um take it anywhere you want from there so I, I like that. I also like uh, that Washington uh, Eason and Ahmad stack that I talked about. And that's just a nice game to target in general with a kind of a projected shootout back and forth in the Pac-12. So um, we're going to take a quick break and come back for the Saturday day contest in a second.
Okay, on to the Saturday day contest. Two of three big contests on DK this week uh, with that nice little um, Friday post-Thanksgiving contest thrown in there to like that. like that a lot. But let's get to the business of Saturday afternoon, and we're going to start on the 11-game board in Ann Arbor with Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State is minus 9.5 over under 49.5. Pretty simple here, kind of like I talked about Georgia and uh, A&M last week or Ohio State and Penn State last week. I'm out on Michigan. Um, don't want any part of it. I'll let you be the braver person and uh, go with them, but uh, I'm not really going to look for anybody to outperform their prices in this matchup against pretty much one of the, if not the best defense in the country. Um, so I think it's just going to be a lot of uh, a lot of taking the runaway and putting Shea in some tough spots there. So uh, no U of M, of course, in on Ohio State. Uh, fire away. I know Michigan has a tougher defense, but uh, they're not scaring me against a team like Ohio State. But pretty simple there. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get too detailed. We know who all the players are for Ohio State to target. So let's just move on to Wisconsin at Minnesota, another little small 10 matchup that I love to talk about. Wisconsin is minus three, over under 46. Um, this is a pretty simple game for me too. I, it's Jonathan Taylor are, are pretty much not interested in the entire game. Maybe Tyler Johnson or Rashad Bateman in Minnesota, but again, these over-unders of 46. Um, look, can, can they have return value? Sure. I, um, you know, could one of those backs, um, you know, uh, Brooks or Ibrahim, should, could they have a nice day? I, I guess so. Um, but I'm just going to look elsewhere. I think for their prices, you can do better in other games. So that's my whole take on that game for DFS purposes. Let's go to the next one, which is Clemson at South Carolina. Clemson minus 27, over under 15 and a half. South Carolina running backs are a mess. Um, it's just a bad matchup to begin with anyway. So nothing really to see there. Um, I think the one person that could be interesting if wide receiver for South Carolina, Brian Edwards, is ruled out for this game. Uh, he's questionable right now. She Smith at 4,900 would be uh, an interesting value play. Uh, he's had some big games here um, late in the season. So uh, that would be that would be a nice value there. Other than that, Clemson, similar to Ohio State. We're not going to mention the guys. We all know who they are. Um, yeah. Play them all. They're 27-point favorites. So, um, yeah, wonderful. I said wonderful again. Damn it. All right. Ugh. So, uh, all right. <laughs> Enough. Uh, moving on. Notre Dame at Stanford. Uh, Notre Dame, 16.5. Over under 47.5. Simple here again. Out on Stanford. No, no, nothing, no reason to invest here. You can you can just do better elsewhere. Um, Notre Dame, you know who the guys are. It's Ian Book. It's Chase Claypool. It's Cole Komet. I think Tony Jones Jr. at 56,000, uh, 56,000, 5,600 is a nice value at running back there. Um, but that's a pretty simple game there. Uh, nothing really more to talk about. Let's go to Tulane at SMU. I love these American Athletic games. Um, I was a little surprised to see this line. I thought SMU would be a bigger favorite. Uh, but hey, you got to let Vegas lead you. Um, you know, they know more about. Uh, sports than than even you know the coaches do and then the best athletes of all time so um look they're saying Tulane is gonna be able to keep pace here I have to believe it um the only problem is again I talked about last week Tulane there's just so much uncertainty and unreliability on the roles in their offense 
Um, I can't I can't trust those running backs. And really, this is kind of a Justin McMillan is the one sure thing in this offense, and he kind of has that uh, Malcolm Perry role that we talked about with um, Navy last week, where he's kind of their number one running back in a lot of ways, who gets passing stats upside. So, in a matchup like this with MS, or SMU, who just has no interest in defense, um, yeah, McMillan is a really nice price here at 6,400 at the quarterback position. Um, strongly consider him. And then SMU, it's pretty simple still. Uh, Rasheed Rice, a nice day again last week, uh, returned plenty of value. I think he had 369 in one line at receiver. Uh, he's still at 4,500. And then Kylan Granson didn't do much last week, um, but at 5,500 in a matchup like this, uh, I think he offers nice value. And we all know the rest, uh, Xavier Jones and Steve Wuchali and uh, James Prochet are the obvious calls in SMU. All should have a wonderful afternoon against uh, just a bad Tulane team. And UCF uh, tore them up, let, did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. So I expect the same here with SMU. Uh, let's take it to Wake Forest at Syracuse. Their ACC barn burner. Uh, Wake is minus four and a half, over under 68 and a half. Similar to kind of what I said about Syracuse last week, uh, I don't have a lot of interest outside of Tristan Jackson. Um, there isn't really any consistency in this offense. I know Mo Neal had a nice day against the Louisville offense, uh, but he is 6,300. Is he really doing a lot for you unless he gets you, you know, 120 plus yards and at least one or two scores? I, I don't know, and I don't, I don't know that you can actually really just pencil him in either. Um, so I, I don't really have a lot to say about the Q's offense. Not, don't want a piece of it. The other thing on the Wake Forest side is that Kendall Hinton is now really stepping up with all the injuries at receiver for Wake Forest to Sage Surratt and Scotty Washington now were their top guys um, a few weeks ago. They're both gone, and this has been the guy, Kendall Hinton, um, has had some pretty big games now um, multiple times. So I think he can be relied on here in a very plus matchup. He's at 6,500, but I still think um, maybe a little bit underpriced still considering the role and the matchup and – the competent quarterback, Jamie Newman, who is in another good spot to um, have a big day. Uh, so I think there's a little bit more value to here uh, at Wake with the running backs as well. Kenneth Walker, 4,700. Cade Carney, 5,300. Both get plenty of work. I think they got 17 and 19 carries um, apiece last week. So um, against this defense, yeah, that, that can be plenty to do uh, damage and outperform their prices. So that is where I'm looking there in that game. Let's go to Oregon and Oregon State, the Civil War there. Oregon minus 19 and a half over under 65. So last week, the big uh, takeaway I had was pretty much JJ3, Johnny Johnson, the third, I thought was pretty much the best floor upside combo on the board for the night slate. And uh, he came through in flying colors, I think with a 10 catch, 207, two score game, I believe it was. Uh, it just was was fantastic. And I think, uh, now, I, I, I would never say I thought he would get 10 catches and 200 yards, but I, I think he still uh, just represents a guy who, you know, in that offense, they've had plenty of injuries at receiver. I think he's the clear cut top playmaker for Justin Herbert. Um, and again, another plus matchup where he can really outperform a modest price. So uh, it just makes sense, though. Um, they're not raising his price. It should probably be closer to 7K, to be honest. So 
Uh, Johnny Johnson third still a great value. Um, the Duck backfield in general is just all over the place uh, with this Cyrus Habibi Lakio as this short yardage specialist, goal line guy. Um, that's really cutting into the value of CJ Verdell. Um, and even Travis Dye has been really effective in a change of pace role. So even though I love this matchup for Verdell and think he can outperform his price of 6,500, that backfield is just all over the place right now. And it's just, it's just making it harder to rely on. That's all. Uh, so just something to be aware of. And then, um, you know, Oregon State, it, it was fun last week. I, I loved uh, playing Jamar Jefferson. Uh, he was one of my big plays last week who paid off big time. But I, I don't, right here, this is just a tougher spot where they go up against some of these tougher Pac-12 defenses. And I just don't know. I think the line tells it all, right? They're 19 point, 19 and a half point dogs. Um, so I, I think Jamar Jefferson has value still. Um, but just it seems like it's going to be a tougher spot for them to really outperform their price. It certainly isn't going to be like Washington State last week. Uh, where it was 54-53 final. And then uh, Champ Fleming as well. Uh, you know, it, slot guy, I think, have plenty of volume, a lot of passing game flow for them. But again, it, it, they might just be suffocated by this Oregon defense who will probably look into lay it on somebody. So just be aware of that. I would not expect the same type of performance that they had last week. Um, let's go to Georgia at Georgia Tech. Very simple here. Georgia is 28 and a half point favorites over under 46. And like I said last week, I'm DeAndre Swift or bust with Georgia. And same exact thing this week. I want no one on tech. There may be a couple dart throw cannons that might be interesting, but um, yeah, nothing there. Um, and then it's Swift or, Swift or bust for Georgia. So I'm taking the same approach with them. Nothing more to say there. Let's go to Louisville at Kentucky, where a lot more interest here I have. Uh, Kentucky is a three-point favorite over under 53 and a half. I think there's here really nice value with Sim Rose and Cavassier Smoke. They have very nice floor price combinations at running back for Kentucky. Uh, I know that, that with that Louisville D that just, again, as I mentioned, they allowed Mo Neal uh, 160 plus yards on the ground for Syracuse. So that tells you all you know about them. Um, and I think with Lynn Bowden Jr. quarterback for Kentucky, you have that Malcolm Perry effect where it's basically a number one running back that has passing stats upside. So um, I really think Lynn Bowden Jr. is in a nice spot against a Louisville defense, one of the worst Ds in Power 5, allowing 440 yards per game, and that's in the ACC. And I'm kind of just out on Louisville in general here for the most part. Um, they're going up against a top 25 defense in the country in terms of yards per game. And that's who, someone who plays in a little bit tougher competition in the SEC week to week. So um, I'm just going to, you know, I still think, you know, Tutu Adwell, very productive, very effective player. But I think this week you just want to tread lightly with Louisville and look elsewhere. And the elsewhere that I think you want to look is this next game, Tulsa at ECU. Um, another one of these, you know, this is one of my favorites. You know, American Athletic Conference football, baby. You got to love it. I don't know why. I, I, I watch way too much of these uh, games. I can't believe how much I know about these stupid teams. But anyway, Tulsa, minus five and a half, over under 61. Um, and the big story here is ECU receivers and Tulsa receivers uh, generating tons and tons of value, I think, in this contest for the board here. So 
on the Tulsa side, Sam Crawford Jr. and Kylan Stokes are the natural go-tos. Um, both had really nice productive days, even in a low scoring match against Houston last week. I think they had nine and 10 catch games apiece. So they're also around that $5,400, price range. So still a lot of value there with them at receiver. On the ECU side, uh, they've been really productive lately in the passing game with Holton Aylers uh, is their kind of um, running quarterback. And he's, he's a, he's a dual threat quarterback, but he also, he can, he can sling it and He's been slinging it to Tyler Sneed, who, if you have been paying attention, it was C.J. Johnson for a couple games who was like this like number one uh, receiver in that offense, having huge double-digit catch games. And then he got hurt with a concussion, and Tyler Sneed stepped into that role and had back-to-back monster games of like 19 and 16 catches. Uh, so, look, do I think he's going to get 16, 19 catches? Probably not, but point is, is him or C.J. Johnson and or both have this double-digit catch upside here in this offense, and both are still way underpriced in that $5,500 range. So I love this game for the value at receiver. Uh, it's something I'm going to be pounding a lot, I think, with Snead and, and or Johnson probably mixing one of those guys in each in, in different lineups just to cover myself there. So one of them should be on pace for a huge game here. Um, and then, you know, starting running back for East Carolina, I think is, is in a good spot to be productive as well. Um, and Holden Aylers, I, I love as well. And, and Zach Smith, at quarterback for Tulsa, being I think around 5,400. I think this is a great opportunity for him to outperform that price. And when you can get that at quarterback, and you can get maybe like 25, 30 points from a guy with some, maybe some upside, which he's proven to be have done before, um, yeah, I, I think this is one of my favorite games on the board to target. So uh, consider all that. In the last game of the board, Bama at Auburn, three and a half point favorites for Bama, 50 over under. I think there is, um, oh, so first of all, the, the big story here is, you know, Tua is out, Mac Jones starting at quarterback for uh, the Crimson Tide. That has kind of adjusted some of the prices down on the receivers like Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddell have all taken a bit of a price decrease. So I still think there's value. As long as we think Mac Jones is just relatively competent, I think these guys are just good enough athletes that they can get separation and be open to get um, enough run from Mac Jones. So I think there's still value, but in general, I think this is probably just more of a better game, a football game, than has good fantasy angles in it. Um, so I... I, I'm not saying ignore the Bama receivers, but I wouldn't really, you can't really treat them like you would before. Um, and then Auburn, I, I just don't think they can be relied on in, in really any way. Um, there, there could be a big game, maybe out of uh, Schwartz here or uh, Seth Williams at receiver for Auburn. But in general, I, this is gonna, it's one of their tougher matchups. In their tougher matchups, they haven't really proven that they can rise to those occasions offensively yet. Uh, Bo Nix, I'm sure, will be. A fine player down the road, but I think in these matchups so far, they haven't really shown that they're capable of living up to their prices and outperforming them as well. And also, their backfield's a mess right now. I wouldn't mess with it. So, that is the slate. That is the board. I did it. Did two boards, two contests. I'm just going to do a little quick uh, lineup check here, tell you who I'm kind of building around. Oh, and I, I, I did mention it, but Darius Pinnock Jr. is the running back for East Carolina. I like him 
uh, at 7K to have a nice day. So, um, Johnny Johnson third. Zach Smith in a quarterback spot. Tyler Sneed um, and Sam Crawford Jr. at four guys is kind of the foundation to build on. Um, that leaves you at $7,000, $7,050 remaining per player to uh, target all the other different guys that you want. And um, yeah, I think, like I said, Tulsa ECU is going to be a big one for me. And uh, that's how I'm going to start out my lineups. So that's it. That's, that's the slate. I hope it will be helpful. I hope this is beneficial. Thank you for listening. If you would like to stick around and continue, we're doing a giant 22-game board of college and pro uh, gambling against the spread picks here with the doctor that's coming up now. It is Thanksgiving week. It is Wednesday night. We're doing a little uh, earlier on the week because of the holiday. It is the pick segment. As always, I am joined by the doctor, how are you on this wonderful uh, holiday eve? Doing well, Bob. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. I am uh, enjoying a Thanksgiving Eve cocktail as we speak. Oh, well, that's that's great. That is great. I, you know, I almost just said that's wonderful, and uh, you'll hear more about that in the open. But I need to stop saying <laughs> wonderful. It's too. It's, too, it's, too, it's, too, it's ridiculous. So uh, I'm sure I have some too. I have to like cross that off. So like, oh, that that's spectacular. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. We're going to start in college football. If you're listening to the first time, um, we cover Michigan, Michigan State, USC, and Notre Dame always, mostly because we're uh, Midwest guys. And, uh, you know, the doctor here, he may have attended the University of Spoiled Children at one time or not. Who knows? But um, And then we'll cover any of the marquee games as well, which are – I think there's a couple here that I, I threw out this week. So we have a total of six games this week. Let's start with the records. Uh, last week, uh, not a, one of my poor weeks in college. I was one and four, bringing me to thirty twenty six and one on the year. Doctor, you were two and three. You're now even at twenty eight twenty eight one for the season. Um, but overall, I think we're we're doing okay. We'll get to what's going on in the NFL later. But uh, first game, in, first game in college. Now this is a three thirty game, but I just want to get it out of the way because it sucks. And it's MSU, our Spartans. Minus 22 at Maryland. Spend as little time as possible. First of all, I want to say is, how bad is Rutgers? How bad are they? Well, interesting uh, comment there, Bob. Um, so, you know, Michigan State hadn't, hadn't won a game since uh, Indiana. Um, and then <laughs> they beat Rutgers last week, right? And Maryland hasn't won a game since October 5th. And who did they play October 5th? You guessed it. Went over Rutgers 48-7. to and to add um, on to it, I just want to say, too, that, so that, that's Maryland's only win, right, like you, you mentioned. In all their other small 10 games, there, there's seven of them, they have an average. They've lost every single one by an average of 39 points. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna, yeah, I'll, I'll add on to that, right? So in, in the six games since Rutgers, yeah, Maryland's all scored 291 to 80. Right, so that goes with what you were saying. That's a margin of victory there, probably average out. And then MSU, since beating Indiana before beating Rutgers, was outscored 181 to 61. So I don't know what that tells us other than both teams are really bad. But it's it's hilarious that uh, both of them, you know, only have really have wins over Rutgers in the past couple months. 
and blew them out too. Like killed them. Blew them out. It's unbelievable. So they, they, they should not be a Division One football program. That's that's one. Oh, I almost said it again. Uh, uh, so um, yeah, year one of Michael Oxley, not uh, very inspiring for Maryland. They played four quarterbacks last week. Uh, they're just all over the place. I, I think this is a spot where they may not score an offensive touchdown. If, if maybe over under, I would set it at one and a half. So um, I have, can't believe I'm doing it. I'm taking MSU minus 22 points. I'll join you. I've, I've gone back and forth on this. I, it's Both teams are really bad. It's like MSU senior day, Maryland can't make a play or two to kind of keep this within 22. Let's kind of think similar to last week and – Michigan State wins high 20s to, to your point, like zero or three or something like that. So I'm with you on this. You minus 22. Let's, let's get a move into something that matters. Well, it does this matter. The next game, it's the big rivalry, you know, one of the best in all of football where it's the one game. Team, one team has won 14 of the last 15. So I think this is about as big of a rivalry as maybe Detroit and Green Bay is in the NFL. So uh, Ohio State. Minus nine in Ann Arbor uh, against the Wolverines. We have Ryan Day versus Don Brown. Um, <laughs> look, uh, I'll let you just start this off and t- to give your thoughts. I think we're probably going to be in similar wavelengths, but go ahead. Yeah, um, real quick, did you count the vacated win from 2010 with Tristan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I I I did I did count that one as okay. So I was going to be a little more fair. You said fourteen out of fifteen. I was going to go back to two thousand. Um, because okay. I was finding interesting how people just cut off. Like, oh, we'll just cut it off in two thousand three. I went back to two thousand sixteen to three Ohio State. So I don't know how we're still calling this the game. It just feels like another Ohio State win every year. Well, look, I, I think Michigan deserves some credit for kind of turning around the season. We've talked about that a little bit before after after Penn State. They about scored their opponents. 165 to 45. Have they yeah. really played anybody? Not, no. not really. Um, they, they haven't, but you give them some credit for doing that. I put kind of Penn State and Michigan as comparable teams in this. Um, even with three turnovers last week, you know, Penn State threatened a bit, but was, was still never really going to win that game. So yeah. if Penn State can't have three turnovers, and I actually think that the, the game that Penn State Played last week, forcing those three turnovers probably hurt Michigan a little bit. I think Ohio State's going to be uh, a little more focused on that. So I, if they can't do it, I just I think it's going to be a long day for Harbaugh and Donnie B. And I think OSU minus nine is certainly the play here. Yeah, it, I like you said it. I, I thought that was laid out well. Um, they couldn't have played worse last week. That was the right. by far the worst game they played this season, and did everything to let that game slip away, and still really were never in danger of losing and won by 11 points. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, this is, look, this is the small 10, and we both know that Michigan is closer, much closer to Penn State than they are even anywhere near Ohio State. So um, I think we're almost getting value here at less than double-digit line with Ohio State. So um, like you said, Michigan has improved. I, I, I think I agree with that. I you have to give him credit. Shea's been a lot better, I think, with the downfield passing. But I just think this is a spot where, look, no one runs on, on Ohio State. They took away Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. If they can do that, they're going to take away this running game from Michigan with Charbonnet and Haskins. That just means Shea in a lot of circumstances where it's just you're asking too much of him. So, um, And, again, we, we all know what Ryan Day happened to be the offensive coach and the offensive coordinator for Herb. 
uh, last year when they uh, blitzed Donnie B again. So um, I again. think he's. I think he's again. I, I, I think he's uh, well, uh, you know, well incorporated with how to take down the Don B scheme. So uh, yeah, Ohio State minus nine is the pick. We agree there. Let's get to the other small ten game that I've dubbed the Cannon Fodder Bowl, and this is the game that decides who gets to go get launched out of a cannon by Ohio State in the Big Ten title game in a couple weeks. It is Wisconsin minus three at Minnesota. Um, yeah, look, I'll let you start this one out. I, I have a question for you. This is the battle for the Paul Bunyan Axe. Michigan oh, and Michigan yeah. State play for the Paul Bunyan trophy. How in the hell did Paul Bunyan get worked into these games? Any, any idea? I have no idea. I think it's bizarre and it's weird. I don't know that much about uh, that fable or whatever. Uh, Paul Bun- Is he a Midwest guy? Is, is Paul Bunyan a Midwest guy? Uh, it's, it's folklore. I think he's a made-up guy. Okay. Yeah, anyway, I just I just think it's bizarre that everybody's playing for Paul Bunyan and things. Sure. It's weird. Anyway, to the game. <laughs> to the game. Look, hey, so... Um, Weather forecast in this one, uh, potential snowball. Um, I think it's 50% chance of snow. They're saying like three to four inches. Could get kind of messy out there, which which may uh, make things a little interesting. Um, I think that would slightly favor Wisconsin as they're a little more focused on the ground game. Um, but I'm going to put weather aside. I'm going to... I'm going to go with Minnesota here. Flax got in position to play for their first Big Ten championship. Um, you know, the golf, Gophers were getting points at home a couple weeks ago to PSU. Took right. care of business there. Um, they are 4-0 uh, against the spread at home and 8-1 and against the spread in their last nine Big Ten uh, home games. So I feel pretty good there. You flip over the other side. Look, Wisconsin has not been the same since they since they lost to Lubby. Um, they've lost a turnover battle in five straight games. Um, so that's been an issue for them. Look, I, I think I think Taylor will, will have a decent day just because they're going to focus on him so much. But I, I think, again, you're, you're going to put Wisconsin in positions that they don't necessarily want to be in this game and have to throw. I know they're doing some wildcat. And they're just trying different things. I, just, I don't think it's going to work there. I, I like what Flex got going. I'm, I'm rolling the boat plus three, and they're on Dandy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't. I'm not going to feel like I have a strong opinion about this game and you know who I like. I think it's, I think the line is fair. You know, it's three, three points. Uh, the only thing I kind of looked at was the Gophers in their tougher matchups. They did not do that great against the run, and we all know what Wisconsin is the only thing they're good at. And so I, I kind of looked at it and kind of made me lean in that direction. So I'm going to do Wisconsin minus three points, um, but. So I don't, I don't, well, who knows? I, I think I'm kind of interested in watching him. The only thing I know for sure, and I have one guarantee for you, Doctor, and that is regardless, regardless of who wins this game, Paul Christ, the Wisconsin head coach, will be getting to his third Big, big Ten title, or Fleck will be getting to his first, both more than Jim Harbaugh. So um, just want to throw that in there. That's that's pretty, pretty, pretty special. Well, dig, dig at the Wolves. Might as well take it. Might as well take yeah. it. It's, it's there. Uh, all right, let's get on to the Iron Bowl. A little bit of, uh, you know, luster taking off this matchup. With no Tua. Matt Jones now is the starter for Bama. Bama's minus three and a half at Auburn. Um, I'll let you go. I know you love Gus Malzahn, so go ahead. Uh, 
I loved him for a week, Bob. I wanted to use the best Malzahn factor for a week. Look, this is the last chance for, for Bama to in, impress the, the committee. Um, and so I didn't do take advantage of that. I think no, no Tua, no problem here for Bama. You mentioned Mac Jones. I think he'll rely on the talented wide receiving core there. Harris will have a day. I know when we talked about Auburn's um, you know, defensive front, I think they'll have an okay game, but it's not going to be enough to – just slow down the Bama offense for Bo Nix in the Auburn offense to make up for it. They have struggled against their quality opponents this year. The, the better, the Florida, better teams. Yeah, yeah, Florida, LSU, and Georgia. Right, just a couple examples here. The offense averaged 3.2 yards per carry in those three games, which is way below the season average of 4.8. Also, only 4.0 yards, uh, yards per pass attempt, well below the season average of 5.7. And they turned the ball over two times in, in those games on average versus the 1.5. So when they played somebody quality, they've struggled offensively. I expect that to happen again this weekend and Bama's offense to do enough. Also, Nikki's 8-4 in the Iron Bowl and 30-20 and against the spread uh, as a road favorite. So, uh, you, know, you know I love Saban. So I'm all over yeah. Saban minus three and a half here. Yeah, there, there's not too much not to love about Nikki. Um yeah, I think you're almost getting a little bit of value here with Bama. Um, three and a half. Kind of feel like you only have to win the game to, to win this pick here. Um, I kind of agree with you. I go back to that Auburn-Georgia analysis when I we picked that game and I said, you know, I think I think if I, I think believe Georgia is closer to that like playoff caliber team and Georgia is so closer to the Floridas of the SEC and that type of caliber uh, tier. I, I had to think as long as Mac Jones is just relatively competent, uh, th- that they're still very far away from someone like Bama. Um, and even though it's a tough spot in the Iron Bowl on the road, um, as long as he isn't just terrible, I think this team is still much, much better. Like you mentioned, um, the offense just hasn't risen up to the challenge when they face the better team. So uh, I am on Bama minus the three and a half as well. A lot of agreement right now. Lots of agreement. Uh oh. <laughs> And I know, I know that might continue here uh, with this next one. We would sure. never be talking about this stupid game, but uh, I'm not going to say anything about it. It's Notre Dame on a 16.5 at Stanford. Um, Stanford is terrible. I'm taking the wish minus 16.5, and, and I, I'm going to move on now. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Uh, there's not a reason to spend a lot of time. Um, Notre Dame is, is playing for the New Year's Six Bowl game we talked about last week, but they've done a good job of covering larger spreads the last three weeks, which is – in the past, uh, they've not been very good at doing so. Some trends there kind of helping them cover this big spread. Uh, I mean, Stanford hasn't been on a radar, on my radar all season. I don't think I've watched a game with them in it. I know they had a nice one over Washington, but then they have losses to UCLA and last uh, three weeks to Colorado, Washington State, and Cal. So, not good. Let's take the Irish. second or third quarterback. Like, it's just. Yeah, let's, let's move it along. Irish minus <laughs> 16 and a half. Yeah, and like you said, Irish. For the last couple of games, they're leaving no doubt. Like early on, it's it's they're yep. putting it on people. So yeah, Irish by sixteen. And the one add-on game I had, the night game. And this isn't like you know, there's no like national ramifications necessarily. But I, I just think it's a fun nightcap for Could Saturday be. night. I, I I think so. I mean, I just I, it's going to be uh, an electric atmosphere in Stillwater. It is Oklahoma Sooners minus thirteen at Oklahoma State, the in-state rivalry. Um, yeah, I mean, there's again, there's no real the, – the Big 12 title game is kind of set here anyway, uh, even if Oklahoma were to lose this game somehow. Uh, and you know where I go with this and what I've been talking about all year is just this Oklahoma defense and kind of 
using the comparison of like the Kansas City Chiefs of, of college, where it doesn't matter how big their leads are, doesn't matter how much um, you know they do well offensively with Hurts. This defense is so bad that covering big numbers has been a real big struggle for them. Their their last two two of their last three games, they had twenty one point leads at home and almost lost the game. Uh, and here's their here's their Big Twelve results against the most more competent um, offenses in conference. They won by seven. They lost by seven to Kansas State. One point victory, three point victory, four point victory. So, um, yeah, look, I. I know that they are down to their second quarterback and Drew Brown at Oklahoma State, but I like the way Gundy coaches offense where he just simplifies everything, and this is just going to be a Chuba Hubbard game. Drew Brown's going to take some shots downfield. Other than that, it's going to be more screens to Chuba out of the backfield probably. So I like this to be a, uh, a Chuba-Gundy special here. I'm taking the 13 points and going against the trends in this matchup, which – are not good for Gundy. I, I, I won't mention the record specifically, but I'll tell you right now, he does not have a good track record against Oklahoma. So <laughs> you are going to leave those down for the fans? What would you would you like me to mention them? I mean, they're, they're, they're not good. Sure. Throw them two, two and 12 uh, lifetime against o, OU. Average margin of the losses is 16, and he's one and six at home. Average margin of the losses is 14. So, I mean, that, that's that's not good. It's not good. Um, it doesn't change my mind. I'm with you. I'm on the Cowboys. Uh, plus 13, you said a lot of things that I said about, uh, or I was thinking about, oh, you related to the narrow margin of victory. Uh, and they deserve some credit for, for winning some of those games and holding on or coming back. You deserve credit for that. Uh, but they've, they've they've been really close games, and they've been giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points, on average 36 points over the last four games. We know the Cowboys like to sling it around. Um you know, also, they've won four straight, so they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, and for ATS stats, OU is 1-6 in, in their last seven. Yeah. The Cowboys are 10-2 ten, ten against the spread in their last 12, and 5-1 and one against the spread in the last six at home. So I'm looking for the 40-year-old man, who's now 52 with the best mullet in the world to kind of keep this thing interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know if they'll win, but uh, they'll play well enough to come at 13. Yeah, under the lights, it's going to be a nice little matchup. Uh, Gundy almost won this game last year. They lost on the two-point conversion. Um, they went for two for the win and did not get it. So I think this is at least a closer game here. That wraps it up for college. And we agreed on every game except, I think, Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin. So that should be, that should be fun. Stay uh, up, Speaking of fade, let's head to the NFL. We are in week 13. And we're going to set the stage, as we always do. Let's start with records uh, in the Power Five. I was two and three last week. Uh, we were both two and three. I'm, I'm, uh, and I look. I think we should have been three and two. And I, we've talked about it a little bit. I want to blame Jason Garrett. Can I do that, please? You can. That's fine. He's an idiot. Yeah. So real, real quickly, we were both watching this game, and uh, you know they were in New England territory on like the eight or nine yard line with around six minutes to go in a monsoon where they haven't been in this position over the last four hours. This really? is the second second time you guys have been this, in the score. this guy ever get Princeton? Did he think Princeton's supposed to be smart? What the fuck? Right, you get it. right, and so, you know, they're down 13 to 6, correct? 13 to 6. And so, of course, you, hey, you got six minutes to go, buddy. Like, you, there's no field goal. You, you're never going to have this chance again. 
But of course, and we're all saying this, you can't kick, gotta go, gotta go. We're not we're not the head coach of Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> well, it'd, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be one thing to even consider it if you were down, let's say, five. And you're like, a second field goal will get me to the win. I, I might buy it. At that point in the game, you had one possession left. You were you were not going to get down there. You were not going to get down and score a touchdown again. That was that was your only chance. Right, right. You have to get a touchdown. So yeah. So of course he goes for it, and all you did is screw our power five up because you got your stupid field goal, and you had look they got the ball back. It was fine, but you're not going. You're right. not doing this again. You're it was the best drive of the day. It was your best drive of the day. Right, that's uh, just so un- unbelievable. I mean, the, the coaching sometimes is just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, all right. So, uh, two and two and three um, overall on the year. Um, I am at seventy five, eighty seven, and two. That was after five and eight overall last week, and uh, you were four and nine. A little setback for you overall. Uh, and uh, put you at eighty, eighty two, and two headed into the like stretch run here. So. Hovering around 500, much more advantageous position than myself. And let's talk about the overall uh, trends in the league. Um, favorites last week. Again, uh, dogs bit back a little bit after a nice one from the favorites. They were 9 and 5 two weeks ago. Favorites, 4 and 10 last week. Overall, 75, 99 and 2. Uh, home teams were 6 and 8, bringing their overall record to 74, 97 and 2 against the spread on the year. Home favorites, again, this is a crazy trend, but it just hammered, again, 3-7 and seven for 10 home favorites last week, bringing them to 43-70-2 on the season. Home dogs were 3-1, and one, bringing them to 28-29 on the year. And then substantial favorites of 7 or greater, that's what would be considered to be substantial favorites, 1-1 one and one on the year, 18-26 overall. Favorites of or those substantial favorites that were 7 or greater were zero outright losses last week. There's eight total on the year that have been upset. Uh, this week, 16 games, no more buys. Uh, there is seven home favorites, nine home dogs, four favorites of seven or greater. And because it's Thanksgiving week, Doctor, we're doing all 16 of these freaking games. Uh, we're go. Oh, and let's get, let's get right to it with the Lions and David Block. I love it, man. I, before you lay the game out, I, I, you know, we kind of, it works for us because it, we track the Lions, right? We're Lions fans. So on Thanksgiving, like, you know, it's just, we watch the Lions. I have to wonder, like, what it's like to, to not be a Lions fan and be forced to watch this every oh. year on Thanksgiving. Like, why don't you watch this? I will say this, though, on, on the flip side, it has to be entertaining or educational because, you know, every year the Lions melt or, you have like a, a big like rule issue come up or a coin toss, Jerome Bettis via 1998 or something like that um, come up. So at that point, at least it's like there's some entertainment level there, but it's got to be frustrating to watch the Lions every year if you don't care about the Lions. And Bob, do you know who you had to blame for watching the Lions every year on Thanksgiving? Uh, the Ford family? I don't know. No, a guy by the name of G.A. Richards, who was the owner of the Lions. He bought them in 1934. Okay. After the first three games, only averaging fifteen thousand fans, he decided he wanted to schedule a game on Thanksgiving against the uh, against the defending champ, the Bears. Twenty six thousand people showed up that day, and here we are again, uh, watching the uh, 
Lions on Thanksgiving. That's maintained uh, its tradition throughout. It stopped during like, the World War II or something like that, but that's that's where it originated. That's why well, we're here. God bless him um, for, for, for creating a tradition like no other. And like you mentioned, I mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be like, I don't know what it would be like, like the New Jersey Nets or something getting like the Christmas Day game. Like, just like what? What is this? Why are we? Why, why is this happening? Why? Why? It'd just it'd be. It'd just be. It'd just be perplexing. If you weren't a Lions fan, it'd just be perplexing. Why is this happening? So, all right, look, there isn't much. To, I don't think to really say about the game. Again, David Blau is starting. He is an undrafted free agent rookie quarterback. Uh, played at Purdue last year, and uh, it, their running back is Bo Scarborough. I mean, if that doesn't say, you know, good. <laughs> hey, look good, He's look good. He's look good. Great. All right. So, I, I, not tell me he's not. He's looking good. Look, whatever. Look, uh, Chicago is minus four and a half. Um, there's run. Hey, by the way, I think the one good thing that uh, there is rumblings. Boycott. boycott. Well, boycott, but there's legit rumblings. Like, if they don't, if they were to lose this game, like, regime change is on the table. Hang on. Not, no way. So, so I'll, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Patricia, this is like coaching 101. Like, he's actually doing a good thing. He's like, what do you want me to do? My starting quarterbacks hurt. My backup quarterbacks hurt. I gotta play this guy. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's he's just laying it out as a case for why I get another year. He's this is genius by him. It's a great move. He's just telling all these guys they're hurt. They're probably not even hurt. Probably. Uh, you know, if anything, whether he's around or not, I they, their draft could be in the top five now if they keep this up. And we could be looking at this is not a joke. We could be looking at a chance to get Tua, even though they're dumb enough, they won't do it. But like. That's what the possibility, at least out there, to give me. They won't do it because they signed your boy. I, all right. Anyway, yeah, look, right. it's it's Chicago minus four and a half is the pick. I'm not. Is it you know, Mitchie versus the Patricia D. Who do I like more? So whatever. <laughs> whatever. Shockingly, you like shockingly you like Mitchie, and that's scary because I know your feelings on him. Uh, just to, for the fans, here we go. Like Detroit has, has lost and not covered the last two Thanksgiving Day games. The last fifteen Turkey Day games are four and eleven straight up, five and ten against the spread. So. They're not very good, even though I think people tend to associate them as a good play on Thanksgiving and they get lucky or do something crazy. The play here is Bob's right in Chicago, uh, minus four and a half, the Dodge freaking curves. Okay, let's get along to the afternoon game, the other tradition on Thanksgiving. So, let me, let me jump in here. This started on in the 60s where Dallas started playing on Thanksgiving. And they like okay. finalized in the 70s where they get it forever. I'm gonna guess this was like the um, fans saying we're sick and tired of watching the Lions. We need somebody else to watch on Thanksgiving, so Dallas had to jump in as America's team. I just want to throw that out there because I think that's what's how this got to the point where Dallas now plays every Thanksgiving, and so they um, they went the Cardinals like two years after Dallas got it, and it went miserably. So they gave it back to Dallas, and the NFL said you can have it forever. A little side note for the fans. Hey, good. You know what? At least Dallas, they're entertaining. Um, for the most part, yeah. they have good. They have good years, and bad years, but there's usually just some entertainment value in general for them. They got an owner who, you know, like him or hate him, I, I would kill for to have that owner of the line. So, whatever. Um, great. Hey, Dallas is minus six and a half to Buffalo, and I want to start this out with a question um, for you and for a lot of other people that I had to listen to last week. And it was, um, remember last week when Denver was good? Remember when they were a good team last week all of a sudden? And everyone decided that, you know, hey, Denver, they're actually not that bad. Do you remember that? We'll get there a little later, but yeah, I remember it. Okay. Just, just, just because, you know, we talk about this podcast, and a lot of people, 
you know, like I go out after we talk and I'll listen to other places, and I, I could not believe how many people were like, you know, Denver, De- you know, this is totally play. But it was the same narrative, right? It was the same narrative that Buffalo, they haven't beat anybody good. And I just kept thinking, but this is, Denver's not good. So what, what are we, like, what are we talking about? Like, this is the team they should, this is the team they do beat. So anyway, whatever. It was one of the only things I actually got right. So good for me. Um, uh, I want to get that out there. Uh, so this is, look, this sets up as a, a perfect narrative game for both teams, right? Buffalo can't be anybody good. All Dallas does is beat up on bad teams, correct? Allegedly. Allegedly, okay. So, look, I, I want to um, – I do want to mention a little something um, about Josh Allen, too, and just saying it, there's been legitimate improvement from last year to this year. If you just look at the high-level statistics, it's it's crystal clear. I mean, completion percentage is up eight points. It's 60%. Touchdown interception ratio last year was 10 to 12. It's 15 to 8 right now. His overall passer rating just averaged for the year. It was under 70 last year. Right now it's 86. I mean, like that's a that's a drastic enough difference from just high level members to say that he is improving as a as a quarterback. As a, as a, as a player, so. CDS. Josh Allen or CDS. <laughs> All right, put the cocktail down. All right, so, um, so, but Buffalo. Uh, look, if you if you look at these teams, honestly, outside of the quarterback, even if you just look at the teams in different uh, statistical measures, Buffalo ranks fifth in rushing. That's better than Dallas, who ranks eighth. Buffalo's D overall in terms of total defense yards per game is third. Dallas is sixth. Buffalo fourteenth against the run. Dallas fifteenth. Da- or Buffalo third against the pass. Dallas sixth. Buffalo seventh in sacks. Dallas sixteenth. Um, would you just start stacking it up? And I say, actually, Josh Allen isn't that bad. I'm on Buffalo plus the six and a half. I don't know they win the game, but I think they can keep this close. Uh, the agreement so far across college and the fellas is, is getting scary. Um, oh, oh no! You you landed a lot of stats. <laughs> I'll give a few more along against the spread stats. I'm on Buffalo plus six and a half. Dallas is uh, one in seven against the spread since 2011 on Thanksgiving. Uh, Dallas this year is one in three against the spread and team with a winning record. Uh, Buffalo four, oh, and one against the spread on the road this season. So I'm, I'm in on Buffalo for the ATS and the football reasons that you said. Why are we Let's doing go this? Bills. All right, we do this. All right, that takes us to the uh, night game. It is the Saints at Atlanta. The Saints are minus seven. Now, I'm pretty sure, I haven't gone back and tracked it specifically, but I think we may both be winless when picking four against Atlanta in the entire year. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's the theme to my pick. I'll let you go first, but I'm. it's very confusing. <laughs> well, I'm not... Julio's a little banged up, all right? Even if he plays, he's, he's very questionable. And uh, I, I'm not picking against the Saints here. They, they need wins. And I want this road trend to continue in the NFL. And they also, they lost to them already. They're, if I do not believe in this situation, uh, even with seven points, if I don't think Atlanta has a chance of winning this game, I'm not, I, I don't care about the seven points. It's, it's New Orleans minus seven. Please say we're green here again. 
We're we're definitely agreeing uh, here again. (laughs) So they started playing a third game on Thanksgiving Bob in 2006. I'm I'm guessing that was the time where the Lions and the Cowboys were both really bad, and they needed to add a third game of Thanksgiving just to make it interesting for the fans and not put the worst possible teams out there. Uh, So that's why they did this. And um, so this will be the 14th game played uh, primetime on Thanksgiving. The favorites are... 11-2 11-2 straight up, 10-3 against the spread. 10 of the 13 games have been separated by double digits. Um, and Atlanta has actually played in this game twice, and both of both times they lost by double digits. So all trends point towards New Orleans. I don't like Atlanta. They keep screwing me every week. It's New Orleans by a seven. Those were some hot Thursday night Thanksgiving stuff. So much, so much fire around the holiday, Bob. So much fun. <laughs> Just love this Thanksgiving slate. All right. That's all, that's it for Thursday. That's three games down. 13 to go. We're headed to Sunday. The Sunday slate, we start in Cincinnati with the winless Bengals coming in with something like, the, I don't know, the Red Hot Jets? Is that what we want to call them? They won three. So, talk about fire. Talk about so, fire right there, baby. So, so much. Jets are minus three and a half. Uh, they've won three straight. They're now four and four in their uh, last eight. In three, in three of those wins, thirty-four points in each game. Nine offensive touchdown drives of sixty yards or more. I mean, I, what do you want to just respond to that, please? Go ahead. I'll respond to it. The playoff push is on. Darnold said it, and it's on. The Jets are making a push to the playoffs. It's going to continue this week. I think Dalton is back. Um, Dalton is isn't back. Isn't going to matter. He's back. That's not going to matter. He has no one to throw to, even if he can throw, which he does every third Sunday, I think. He probably throws. Um, doesn't matter. Look, Jets, they're on a mission. Um, this sets up well for them. They're going to get another win, and this, this story hopefully continues to get interesting. Um, I'm all over the Jets, uh, you know, minus three and a half. They've looked good the last three games. The offense is humming. 34 points. Uh, yeah. Each of the last each, three games. Three straight games, 34 points. Yeah. Yep, I mentioned that, so thanks for listening. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, cut, yeah. Cut that. Yep. Um, no, uh, Cincy, too, uh, you know, last week it played kind of a closer game, I guess, against Pittsburgh. But, again, another 244 yards of offense, 11 first downs. And, you know, got beat by Duck Hodges and Benny Snell for Pittsburgh. I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And this team's just... You know, he, I think we said Dalton is back, but I think we both agree it's like it's like lowercase letters back. It's not like cat, all cats back. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. Definitely lowercase. You may even leave off the K and just go B A C lowercase. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So well, great because um, we are both agreeing with the Jets as well. This is going to be a great <laughs> week. I Jets minus three and a half, and that takes us to um, another somewhat hot team. And in Tennessee, they're heading to Indianapolis in an AFC South showdown. Indy's minus two and a half. This is not not exaggerating. This could be one of the team's future AFC South champions hosting a playoff game. That's in play right now. That's in play. Um, I'll let you kind of start this one off here. Yeah, the line is, is interesting. I mean, it definitely puts these teams on basically a level playing field, right? It's the it's two-and-a-half, three-point uh, yeah. home field advantage, which I'm going to go here a little bit of an overreaction to 
Tennessee's recent success and kind of Indy's recent stumbles. Yep. Uh, so I see a, I see a lot of value here in, in an Indy play. Um, you know, they're at home with an extended rest. Um, they are 7-0 ATS in the last seven against the AFC South. Um, they are 7-0 straight up and 6-0-1 ATS in the last seven games as home favorites of three or less. And Tennessee is a 1-4 ATS versus teams with winning records in their last five. So putting all that together, um, I, I'm going to go Indy on this one. And also, Indy has um, has dominated this series over the past five or six years. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they've dominated this series. So I'm going Indy minus the two and a half here. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like there's, again, some like strong opinion on this game. There's two even teams. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to say like, oh, it, definitely – you know, if you're if you're going into hard in any of these teams, it's it's probably just uh, not advisable. But uh, I think where I come out here is I'm going to go with the kind of the more healthy and hotter team, who's one four of five. Oh, and, and like you said, Colts have lost three of four. Uh, and Tannehill, we talked about him a little bit the last couple of weeks. And is he back? Is he you know is he, is this a little is it is this a little Cat like a little back? Well, is, back? It, is it like a kind of a mini like career resurgence to a degree? Look, his last. His five starts, right? Here's his passer rating. I mean, this is this is incredible. Yeah. 120, 109, 82, 133, and then last week, 155. Um, Derrick Henry in this stretch as well has averaged over six yards a run, has 579 total rushing yards, six touchdowns. Uh, they kind of have a little bit of something going here. And again, they're, they're the healthier team. Uh, the bigger players for, or for Indy, I should say, is, you know, T.Y. Hillen still, again, up in the air, Mac. banged up. Matt Mack also out. Um, they got a good performance from the backup last week. But, again, it's just these are players who don't uh, – some who hey, hey, just, just so we're clear, I, I called for Tannehill being back weeks ago. I, st- you, I still think he's back. Yeah, um, I just, I just think this week this week it's going to level set a little bit. But uh, it is a resurgence, and good for him. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm going to take – Tennessee in the two and a half. A disagreement, thank God. And um, look, I really want this road trend to start because I've now taken five road teams in a row. So this this better this better not this better not be the week. God damn it! Um, all right, let's head to South Beach, where we have uh, the Eagles, who came off a, a rough outing. Uh, they are minus nine and a half. To Miami, and I, speaking of being back, Doctor, Miami is back. Capital B A C K. Come on. No, after those two W's, I had to listen to a lot of people talk about how they're like, you know, hey, they're a good, like, not they're not terrible. No, they are terrible. They just had two back-to-back blowout losses. Um, you know, another terrible offensive performance. So, um, yeah, and also besides them, all Sean Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, who sat out last week. They're both back this week for Philly, who desperately need uh, any receiver they can get uh, to, to help Carson Wentz. So, um, yeah, look, I think Philly's most impressive wins came after they had two consecutive losses this year. That was at Green Bay on a Thursday night. They won 34-27. And then at Buffalo, when everyone was yep. burying them, they won 31-13. Yep. Um, I'm going to think my sixth straight row team, Philly minus nine and a half. 
Yeah, you you nailed it. Um, you you called out the GB and Buffalo wins, which which I think uh, were big and and kind of lead into this game. Um, and look, the, the Philly offense has been has not been good uh, the past couple. It's been really bad, but the D has been competent, so they'll continue to do that. They'll they'll dominate Miami here, and this is to your point, getting healthy, getting right. It's a good game for for Philadelphia to kind of get some. Get some mojo going in a must, must win game. Not just a must win, but a must, must win game. Yeah. Philly minus nine and a half. Great. Another agreement. Um, so I asked the question last week. I kind of, I think you said Dallas. I said Philly, but uh, who's winning the NFC East? Philly or Dallas? Dallas. Okay. I'm going to, I'll go Philly, but I don't feel good about either one. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. I have so many more road teams coming up too. Anyway, get going. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Next one, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know which one uh, you're going to be here. So it is the pack coming off that uh, what SNF embarrassment. Um, they're headed to the Giants, and they're minus six and a half. And my question to you, Doctor, my question to you is. After what you saw and witnessed on Sunday night as a logical person, do you take Green Bay seriously as a contender to win the NFC? I, I do, and, um, and, I, and I'll tell you why. So uh, GB has struggled, um, obviously, last week. They got blown out in, in NoCal. And earlier this year, they got beat by a very bad Chargers team in SoCal. Right. I'm going to chalk this up to AR-12 um, being in his home state. You know, he's from Chico, California. Yes. Not to be confused with uh, Ryan Atwood's hometown of Chino, California, <laughs> down in SoCal. Well, well played. So I'm just, chalking it up, I'm just chalking it up to him not liking his family. It's well documented that he's not going to lot well with his family. He just to play well in that state. So those are, those are the reasons for those two losses. I think uh, I think this week they they bounce back um, like they have earlier this year. Uh, another two losses, they bounced back uh, to cover against Dallas and Carolina and throw in that uh, the Giants have been have lost seven straight, been outscored uh, by an average of eleven points, and have the twenty sixth ranked pass defense. I'm all over um, GB minus six and a half this week. I'm looking for AR twelve to. Kind of stick it to his family and play well in New York versus not playing well in uh, in Cali. Wow, that was not you as love deli- that OC reference. You love that OC reference. I, I did, but the, the whole AR twelve in California take that was almost as delusional as my Raiders take last week. <laughs> not 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 as delusional, but it was it was in the same ballpark. So, all right, um, look, I, I, actually we're gonna we're gonna go separate ways here because. Uh, I don't take them seriously. I think that was a kind of a revealing game from them uh, on Sunday night when we saw the Niners at, at full strength. And um, look, hey, guess whose defense ranks worse in yards per game given up than the Giants? The Packers. The Packers at twenty-eight. Oh, oh, oh. Once, um, yeah. Look, they're they're uh, and look. look Talk about trending in certain directions, right? Since the blowout win over my Raiders, uh, here's their performances. And that was earlier in the year. Here's the Green Bay's performance. Seven-point win over Mahomes Chiefs. 
inexcusable blowout loss to the Chargers, a one-inch win at home to the mediocre Panthers, and then completely embarrassed on the SNF. So, I, I, I look, I, I think when you stack this all up and you actually look at the other parameters and statistical team stats outside of just simply Aaron Rodgers, this is not a good football team. I mean, they, it, it, again, this is just a team where it's Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers. Everything else is just kind of blah. Now, Aaron Rodgers is so good that he can get them along and beat most teams. So I think they win this game, but I think it's the classic WNC, the window cover. Yeah, you uh, probably would have said the same thing after Cleveland got all over Baltimore. Uh, I mean, that was like, probably it, early it just right. happens. It just, just sometimes it happens in the NFL. It just happens. The Green Bay's fine. Leave them alone. They're fine. Oh, they're, they're fine. They'll be in the NFC Championship game. It'll be fine. They'll be in the NFC Championship game? Is that correct? That's that's what I just said, yes. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 That's hot. <laughs> um, that, that's good because I'm going to ask you another question later on about that. So, um, look, let's get out of there. Let's go to Pittsburgh where we have um, the Cleveland Browns traveling to Pittsburgh minus two points. And we have Duck Hodges to the main stage. Devlin Hodges is is the starter for Pittsburgh. Um, listen, this is just a perfect spot for the Browns to continue to stay hot here. Um, and I'm riding it. So they're minus two points. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns minus two. I will let you go ahead and respond. Uh, we agree again. I'm with you. Cleveland minus two. I, what I think is comical about this, if, if you look back like five or six weeks and you think about heading into week eight, you have Cleveland uh, and Pittsburgh both at two and four. And Cleveland dropped as deep to two and six, and you know now you've got Pitt at six and five, and Cleveland at five and six. It was legit playoff impact game, and their schedules coming up, as we talked about a little bit last week. You brought up is a little soft, um, but anyway, I think look, you, you've got this game here where you've got a little bit of that uh, carryover from Garrett, Rudolph, and Pounce situation. I think this is where Cleveland thrives in moments like this. You've got the Ducks starting; he, he cannot be good. Um, I'm on board. I'm riding the Cleveland hype train again. I think we talked about it last week, too. We we had the Cleveland hype train to start the season. We stopped it, and now we're back on it. Cleveland hype train, <laughs> Cleveland minus two. The, the, hype, the, hype, the hype is now real. Uh, yeah, and I think kind of similar to, to Tennessee. I just think, you know, you look at the two teams, Just there's one that's just way healthier and just playing better football, and Pittsburgh's on their third quarterback and running back. I mean, that, that's... That's what we're talking about right now. And Juju might not even be playing here again. So it's just, I, I, I can't do it. They, they have a very good defense playing, playing very well. but And I think this will be an ugly game. I don't think it will be an easy game. But if I have to pick here, I'm definitely going Cleveland minus two. Uh, let's get to Washington heading to Carolina. Carolina, uh, a big number here, minus 10. And in case you were not aware and you didn't hear the story about Santana Moss today, that broke. Uh, Dan Snyder is just a really bad person. If we didn't already know that, did you hear the story? I did not. Oh, so like he, there was this story released where uh, I think Bleacher Report broke it, where they interviewed Santana Moss on some podcast, and he talked about a story where Daniel Snyder like came to him directly and was trying to like coax him into playing through an injury and playing for a game where he didn't want to play, and, like like feeding him painkillers and like permitted him to drink Hennessy, like to get him to play. That's that was that was what? Yes, that that was 
that was these are like quotes like uh, half a Gatorade bottle full of Hennessy. That was a quote. I was like, whoa. So yeah, th- this is just a, a an awful uh, person and an awful franchise. And um, I, I guess you can say he wants to win. I guess that's fair. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, that was that was today. Uh, just another great story for this Washington Perfect. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with that said, they're awful. The only teams that they can really cover against are teams like the Lions, like they did last week. <laughs> um, just just like the Giants. Just like what was the other team we talked about? It was the Bears. Uh, so yeah. I am Carolina minus a ten, even though I don't think that highly of Carolina. Uh, I, I think they at least have a pulse. So Carolina minus a ten, I'll let you go. Yeah, we have we have more agreement here. Um, Great. I I think uh, what's funny is Haskins. He played okay last week. He was fine. He has a good moment, and then all of a sudden he has the selfie, <laughs> stands and misses the victory formation. What a bad luck. <laughs> So I think his bad luck continues. I'm with you. It's Carolina minus tablet. What, what a disaster that kid was last week. That, that is terrible. Hey, you know what? No one said these guys aren't road scholars, right? We're not. No one's. We're not asking to run companies to be the president. Bob, so. what? The starting quarterback. The game's still I, going. Get I, hey, I, no, I feel like it's not even like a. That's not even like a, what the kids would say a boomer take or like an old NFL take. That's just like. Basic <laughs> knowledge of being an athlete. Come on. No, I no, I no, I look again. I, I, I agree. It's it's a, it's a bad look and it's dumb. But again, these people. We're not asking these people to be smart. We're asking them to play football. So, all right. So, look. Um, next, we go to Tampa. Our crab legs is headed to Jacksonville. Uh, a battle of four and seven teams here. Jacksonville minus one and. Something bad happened at halftime last week with Jacksonville. I'm not sure what it is. You know, it's got to be something along the lines of a gambling debt or some sort of women getting in the middle of this locker room. But um, do you real? you realize that this was 7-3 at halftime? They were down at Tennessee, and then Tennessee scored four touchdowns in six plays in the third quarter. That's a fact. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know it was that bad. I did not see the drive charts. I didn't know it was that bad. I knew it was quick. Oh, yeah. Four, four touchdowns and six plays. It was bad. So I think, you know, we talked about this matchup last week when we were going to. I, I took the Jags as well. They're bots back. And you went with uh, Tennessee, and uh, that was the, clearly the, the right side. And, uh, Jacksonville kind of bonded out here. Three L's in a row for them. Uh, it prompted Tom Coughlin to come out and address the media for the first time this entire year. And he had a lot of quotes. Um, he came out today, in fact, and was just kind of addressed me for something like 13, 15 minutes and said, you know, we need the 12th man advantage for these final five games at home. Talk about the home field advantage in Jacksonville. Um, talk about needing everyone on board and, and uh, we have five games left and all this stuff about, you know, the rest of the season and it's not over. And we're four seven. That means we can get to a winning record. So, uh, yeah, look, um, I, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say besides that and crab legs i think is due for a big turnover game so um i'm jackson minus one point i'll let you go here yeah that cough and stuff reeks of desperation to me um <laughs> the one thing i hate about this game is the public is all over crab legs um, but <laughs> i am i am on crab legs this game despite their turnover problems he knows how to score like it, it doesn't matter I man tv puts up points 
They are third in the league, averaging 28.4 points per game. Jacksonville ranks 26 at 19 points per game. Um, you throw in a, a Tampa Bay rush defense, it's been really good. I think they're ranked in the top five. Um, yeah. So you have to pass to beat them. And Jacksonville, I think, is, if you look at the stats, kind of middle of the road and a pass. Uh, I'm all over Crab Legs here. It could be maybe the first or second time I've taken them, but I'm all over Crab Legs here. Let's go Tampa Bay plus one. Okay, well, it, either way, if you're gambling on this game, you um, you need help because I have a little nugget for you about the officiating, and that Ooh. is Walt Anderson and his crew are playing this game, and they are leading the league in 214 penalties called, but which at 182 have been accepted for a total of 1,568 yards. That is the most by far a most efficient cruise. Also leads the league with 31 pass interference call penalties. We all know how those can change the game. Um, second only to Ed Hockley, or sorry, sorry, Sean Hockley, in 67, <laughs> 67 holding calls. You, you want to say We all love that. Yeah, I know. We all love it. And um, and these are the fourth and fifth most penalized teams in the league. So have at it, fellas. Uh, <laughs> pick a side. Well done, Bob. This is a total shit show. Um, yeah, so, uh, look, you got you got crab legs. I got uh, the Jags. Whatever. Uh, let's head to the game of the week. Maybe, maybe one of the better regular season matchups of the year. Uh, phenomenal game. So looking forward to this. San Fran. At Baltimore, Baltimore minus six points. Earl Thomas already said, hey, I don't know who's going to make the playoffs in the Super Bowl, but um, whoever it is, they're going to have a hard time beating us. So just kind of, you know, made a little cute little Super Bowl call call for the, themselves. Um, my question to you, Doctor, is if you had to pick one, okay, here's your choices. These two teams, San Francisco and Baltimore, and the Saints or the Pats, one of those four teams will win the Super Bowl, or you get the field. What are you taking? Oh, I'm taking one of those four teams, without a doubt. Okay, okay, I, I, I am too. Wow. I, just, okay. I know you mentioned that. You mentioned the thing about you know Green Bay getting the NFC title game earlier, so I just want to check, check you right there. No, they're not going to win the Super Bowl and get okay. the NFC Championship game. Okay, so <laughs> I, I almost said wonderful again. Uh, so all right, Green Bay. Um, you know, last week we, we picked that Green Bay game. We were both on Green Bay. And my logic was pretty much when we were making the pick, there was still a lot of guys up in the air for San Francisco. You know, one of their, their key guys, Kittle, uh, Debo Samuel, who's been a nice find for them, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And, and just kind of went, you know, we've seen them kind of without some of these pieces, and it's not, it's not the same thing. And turns out all those guys played, and we kind of got reminded of what they are at full strength, and they're they're fantastic. They they blew out another. You know, say we went on the Packers. Like I said, I don't think they're very good. They're still a quality team. They're a above average NFL team, and they uh, they killed them. So I'm here. I have San Francisco at full strength against Baltimore, who's also been phenomenal. But uh, I think I think it's still two teams in the same tier, and I'm going to take the points here. I'll let you go. I'm going to go opposite here. Um, I think it'll be a fun game to watch, but a couple of things jump out to me here. I think still think the 49ers 
really depend on the run game to kind of get things going. They've hit the 100-yard mark in every game, really, except for a Cardinals game a couple weeks ago, which was just an odd game. They ended up winning yeah. it, but it was, it was a weird game. And you have the Ravens that are the league's third uh, best in rushing, only give 87 yards per game. So I think they're going to shut shut that run game down, put uh, Jimmy G in some tough, tough spots. He's been known to turn the ball over, 10 picks, three lost fumbles on the year. Yeah. And then you look at the 49ers, deal. what have they struggled against? They've struggled against Russ and Kyler. And so those are kind of mobile quarterbacks, I would say. You throw Lamar in this mix, I'm going to struggle again. Uh, I'm all over Baltimore here, minus the six. I, I just don't think you bet against these guys right now. Yeah, it's it's fair either side you're on. Uh, I just do want to add that they didn't really struggle against Russ. Um, Russ's longest offensive touchdown drive was like 30 they yards. Lost, whatever. They lost the game. Uh, they they, they lost the game. Listen, okay, they, did, they didn't they didn't struggle is the point. Um, and win. look, and look win. I, this is a big moment for my middle-aged, bald fraternity short person for Robert Sala in, in the deep... <laughs> If he can, if he can be the one to stop Lamar Jackson or at least slow him down, because uh, I think if anyone has like the defensive line to do it, may, maybe they do. I, I don't, I don't know if anyone can be asked at this point. But um, he's in the fraternity if uh, they slow him down. So yeah, I think either way, very excited to watch this game um, and just see how it plays out. Uh, two very quality teams, and we don't typically get. I mean, we all these NFL boards we talk about. There's a lot of bad games, so this is it's it's nice to see this. And speaking of bad games and two bad teams, uh, we're get out of the one o'clocks and we're gonna head to four o'clock. And look, we're we're here. We're, we're making it to the slate. Are you how are you feeling? Are you, are you okay? Are you, are you tired? <laughs> I'm all right. We have two bad games in a row, by the way. <laughs> we got we got to just keep pressing on here. Um, so we have um, the L.A. Lambs. Heading to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals and the Kyler Murray that you mentioned, um, and you know, you know, I've been talking about this this Rams narrative, who are now the Lambs uh, all season long, and I have one question for you, Doctor McVay or Jason Garrett. <laughs> uh. McVay, I still think he'd probably try and cover the spread if he could, and he would not have kicked a field goal last week in that situation, so I'll go with him. Okay. Um, look, this this game, uh, you've been, your narrative's good. It's been good. It's been consistent. I'm going one last creation moment here for McVay. Your boys, Goff and Gurley, to find something. I mean, they looked like lost souls on Monday. That was so bad. That was oh, it's so as bad. bad as it gets for a, a team that played in the Super Bowl last year. I don't think it get much worse. Rock bottom. So, I, I, yeah, rock bottom. I'm going to believe in these guys that they have some intestinal fortitude and bounce back. Uh, and that's it. There's no stats. There's no football <laughs> logic here. It's just, it's just digging deep into your soul and looking in the mirror. And, and it's, it's the Rams <laughs> minus three one last time. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's so, so emotional right now. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, so, Zona, look, I mean, so I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm on the lambs, too, because uh, Zona, Zona, <laughs> yeah, Zona has, look, they still have a 31st D, uh, ranked D in the league. So you kind of, like you talked about, I mean, like, even I think the Bears, or sorry, the Bears, the lambs showed, you know, against 
some of the bad teams, they can still take advantage a little bit. And right here you have where it's like, you feel like all they need to do is win the game to cover the spread here is, is kind of how I see it. So I think there's a little bit of value here. Um, and look, Arizona's offense, the last five games, um, it, here, here it is, total offense in yards. 245, 237, 417 against Tampa Bay. 357, and then 266 in that game where everyone's like, oh, they played really well against the Niners. Did they? 266 yards total offense? That's terrible. So the Rams still have a Rams still have a, a, an above-average defense with Aaron Donald. I, I think they... I think they take advantage here, and they can, like you said, one last week. I, I think they keep it. I think they get bounced back here. So Rams, the, the Lambs minus three in the desert, which also kind of scary, but got here. So let's head to um, another wonderful 4 p.m. game. Thriller, thriller. The L.A. Chargers at four and seven head to the three and eight Denver Broncos, who I had to be reminded that's a very good team last week. Uh, LA Chargers are minus three. Would you like to hear about Philip Rivers in Denver, Doctor? Uh, would love to. Okay. So you change my mind here, or what? What do you got? I no, I, I just want to lay. I want to lay uh, kind of some a little bit out here with the Chargers and Rivers because if you think, if it seems like that they've been in this situation before, where they're kind of like you know this middling like you know below 500 team at this point in the season if it feels like they're they've been like this before it's because they have many times with phil rivers and there has been six times in the phil rivers era since 2006 where they have either been four and seven or four and six at this point in the season five of those times they have finished with a 500 or better record Ooh. So that, they're, that they're, yes, very true. They're in these spots all the time. Um, it's, it's very typical, right? They don't start winning games. It's kind of like the lines of the AFC. We've talked about this. They don't start winning games. They don't matter. So um, in Denver, Rivers is six and seven in his career. All wins have been by five points or more. Their schedule the remaining way is this game at Denver at Jacksonville. Minnesota at home, my Raiders at home, and at Kansas City. Doctor, over under wins for the year, seven and a half on the Chargers. And that's going to be under, right? Okay. You threw the Chiefs in there, you had your Oakland Raiders. If the Oakland Raiders are giving the seven wins, that's probably their seventh win right there, isn't it? Yeah, I did. I, and then Minnesota at home, too. So, look, I, I know it, but this is. This is what Rivers does. This is what the Chargers do. So, um, and also, little caveat: Drew Locke may be starting for the Broncos. Is that true? I thought he was hurt. I thought he was banged up. Uh, they, they're, they're, I, they're, he's been practicing. They're, they're very mum on, you know, what, what's going to happen. They're saying it's they're going to make the decision, you know, before the game. I'm sure the decision's okay. already been made, but it's not public. Yeah. So, sure. um, so. I think um, there's a good chance he could start here. And uh, look, this is just a spot where it is so chargery for these guys to win this game and, and start a little mini stupid run. Okay. So I'm on the Chargers minus three points. I'll let you go. 
Well, there's no agreement here. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> since the halftime of the Minnesota game, Denver's been outscored 47 to six. Allen is completing an awesome 42.2% of his passes with a passer rating of 50.4. I mean, that is what you want out of a starting quarterback. Um, you throw in a Charger defense that's top 12 in scoring defense. Uh, you put Bosa and Ingram out there, he's going to give Allen some fits. It's a bolt all the way, um, minus the three. And I like what you said laying it out. So let's see if they can turn that season around and give – is this Rivers last year? Has he got a couple more? This, there, there, there's, some, there's some speculation that this, this might be it. Uh, in San Diego, the talks are starting. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's been – hey, it was 2006. It'll be sad. I mean, it's been fun to watch. I mean, at 4 p.m. on Sundays, it's it's great to watch him. Uh, usually down a score. I guess it's probably like 6.30 p.m. He's down a score trying to come from behind. It's fun to watch. Almost as many kids as years played in the NFL. Um, I think I think it's I think it's nine to nine to thirteen. So, um, all right, that takes us to the AFC West title game between my Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. In Arrowhead, the Chiefs are minus 10. Um, I laid out in the open, which you didn't hear, that uh, it was kind of a rough pick there for my Raiders in, in a week <laughs> against the Jets. And uh, Kind of rough or just rough? Kind of uh, or just rough? Probably, probably very strong to quite strong rough. Um, so, <laughs> look, I can we talk? Can we just talk about something real quick? I, sorry, I got to jump in here. I think I texted you at halftime of that game and said, uh, you know, what's going on with the Raiders? And you said, the Raiders are fine at halftime. Yeah, and then fine. I followed that up with, I think, uh, four more texts. Raiders are fine. Raiders are fine. Raiders are fine. Raiders are fine. Without a response for like two hours, <laughs> I was as they were just getting blown out in the second half. Yeah, I was working. I was working after. So I'm <laughs> sure you were. I was, I, was, sure. I was working hard, and uh, yeah, no, I was, I was very preoccupied with my my business. So, um, yeah, they they were fine. Obviously, Gruden didn't give the right halftime speech. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Look, they've done their they've done their job. They've gotten to six wins. They're certainly on the way to seven. The problem is, I don't think it's going to happen this week because of Mister Carr's trends playing in Kansas City and in cold weather. Are you aware of these? I am not. Derek Carr in Arrowhead is zero and five. The average score in those games is twenty-seven to twelve. Um, in cold weather, under 45 degrees, 1-8, all his stats, there is a huge drop-off in every statistic, stat, QB stat you can think of. Um, the forecast in Kansas City, Missouri on Sunday afternoon is a high of 40 degrees with swirling winds. Also added on that, Andy Reid with the ridiculous coming off the buy stat. I don't know if you're aware of this, but he's 17-3 overall in his career. And just has this crazy trend of coming off a bye and having really good performances, uh, going back to his days with the Eagles, even. So um, that's just been something that's always happened. It's very bizarre. So uh, I I don't believe they're going to win this game. That is my Raiders. I think they're going to get their seventh win some other time, which is fine. 
And who are we kidding? When these guys do lose, they don't just lose. They get blown out. Four of the five losses have been by 18 or more. KC has probably never been healthier and at full strength than they have now. So uh, KC minus at 10 points. I think I know where you're headed, but uh, I'll let you go. I don't think you do. And oh boy, am I disappointed in you and your Raiders stand. <laughs> okay, so all that weather stuff aside, um, you did mention they got blown out. They lost by double digits on the road two times this year. Yep. Um, and they were, oh, sorry, three times this year. Two were against top six run defenses. Last weekend being the Jets and then Minnesota earlier this year. But what you failed to mention was how bad the Kansas City run defense is. They rank 31st in yards per attempt at 5.1 yards per game. And third worst in the league, giving up giving up 143.1 yards per game. So they're not good. And what does Oakland like to do? They want to run the ball first. So I get it. Carr clearly is not good in bad weather. But I do think that the Oakland run offense will do enough to kind of keep this game close or competitive enough to slow it down where Kansas City can't run away with it I've got Oakland plus the 10 I'm taking your Raiders they're not going to win the game and they're still coming out the 7 but they will cover the 10 this week okay and what's interesting about them too is they've had a, a several occasions where for the most part every time no one's really expecting anything from them they actually win games outright which is bizarre uh, it, at Indy earlier on, they were a seven-point dog, won the game. Uh, the Bears game in London, no one was really taking them seriously, won the game. So they, they, I don't know. I don't want to think about this team, but they either win or they just get blown out. So, um, yeah, I'm going to blow out here. They're still my Raiders. Still love them. We're going to get to seven wins. So let's get to S and F. We're almost there. It is the Patriots. Minus three at Houston. Um, this why, this seems too easy to me, Doctor. I have I had the Pats in primetime, who since 2010 are 35 and 10. They're going against Bill O'Brien, who's never beaten Belichick 0 and 5. They've lost the Texans, lost eight straight to the Pats overall. I I don't know what to think, and it's why I'm going Houston plus three. I think overall law of averages. If you want to make a case for Houston. You know, the Patriots are 10 and 1 at the moment. Unless you think they're going 15 and 1 or 14 and 2, they're going to drop either one one game. It's going to be either this one or KC next week. So um, I think in general, they're due for maybe just one loss to bring them to a 14 and 2 or 13 and 3 team for the year. So I'm going to go uh, Houston here. I think, I think you know, they have a enough talent on offense with Watson a healthy Will Fuller and D-Hop to maybe they can maybe they can get out to a lead and kind of make it tougher on a very, what has been a bad offense. They're 17th in yards per game and 23rd in rush offense. It's just, they're, they're just not good. So maybe they can get a lead out. That's a stretch. Uh, average. Below average. Below average. Below average. Average is fine. Below average is a factually correct statement. Anyway, your pick. Well, okay. Take your take your it's Patriots, fine. doctor. So, take your Patriots. Okay. Well, let me let me jump in here before you get all over me. I I think if there's ever a week 
where they're going to go against the Patriots. I don't think it's a good idea. This is the week, so I think you're right. I'm not going to do it because I don't do it. I'm not going to guess at which weeks the Patriots are going to cover now. They cover. They make money. It's New England minus three every week. You can take them. You take them. If you want to try and get cued once in a while, this is a good week to try and do it. I don't think it's going to happen. I am 12, and the offense at some point is going to click between now and week 17. And if you want to guess which week it's going to be, you go ahead. You can try and bet against them. But I, I wouldn't do it. They're going to click, and they're going to put on a run, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl in February. I agree with everything you just said. Do you agree with me that they're going to lose at least one of these next two games? No, I don't. I, don't. I think this is a week. I think this is a fine week to take them. I'll agree with you on that. But the, okay. I'm not chalking up a loss for these guys. No way. It's TB12. Give me a break. Okay, <laughs> he's 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 not been good, but uh, all right, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, all right. Okay, okay. Oh, all right. right now. Yeah. M M N F. We did it. We got to the last game. What a night! Twenty-two games. Um, Minnesota at Seattle. This is a great game for Monday night. It's fantastic. Uh, if you want to reset, it, it is, isn't it? Is it not? Uh, I, mean, I mean, worlds recline here. Yeah, this is great. So, no, if, if you want to reset this game last year on Monday night, the Vikings came in kind of like 500. Their season was somewhat on the brink, and everyone was kind of dogging Kirk Cousins. He can't win a big game. They completely imploded. Uh, it was it was awful, and it was just kind of, you know, ended their season. I, I, I think this – I think at least right now coming into this game, they're a way different team uh, in how they played this year. And um, – I think it's it's set up for them if they get a win here that they have a showdown with Green Bay at home for the NFC North later on in a few weeks to basically win that division and host a playoff game. So huge spot for Minnesota here. Um, and, and there's another another box to check for Kirk, who earlier on, maybe a few weeks ago, everyone said, hey, can't win a big game in primetime, can't be any good team. They win to Dallas and beat them. Uh, so that that was another good stepping stone for him. And this is, presents another challenge. So the problem is, is they're playing the king of late night. That's right. You're going to nail it. Go for it. Since 2010, since, since going to Seattle, Petey and his gum chewing in prime time, 28-5-1. <laughs> By far the best winning percentage. Uh, that's better than the Patriots, better than everyone since that record. Um, just incredible. And I, so it's it's one of those things. Where it's why it makes it a really nice game, a nice matchup. And I will say, Seattle is kind of an enigma to me. I don't think they have like a, a super talented roster. It really is like Russell Wilson uh, just played at a really high level. At home, though, this year, they're 8-2 on the year. Their two losses have come at home, and they're three and two there, where all their games have been close in, in single digits. Uh, one against Cincinnati at the beginning of the year, they went overtime against Tampa. It's, it's just strange that they haven't really played that well in a team where we actually considered them to have one of the actual real home fields in the league. So um, I don't have a like super 
strong opinion about this game. I, I'm very excited to watch it. I am going to take the three points. I think the real difference in Minnesota, I think the real difference, yes, Kirk has played better and he's stepped up a little bit, but I think the real difference is Delvin Cook. And he has quietly been, quietly been, when you get past the quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson and Russ, obviously are, are the MVPs. I think he's probably right the next name you mentioned as the most valuable player to his team has been him. He's been outstanding. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking Minnesota plus three points. You sure? Yeah, you laid it out for me. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the kings of prime time versus somebody <laughs> who's not been great in prime time. I mean, you, you know I've got some love for PD back to my USC days. Um, so I, I'm going with them. You laid out the record I was going to lay out. He's, they're awesome there. Uh, gum chewing, chomping. It's Seattle minus three all day. Uh, it's, it's not a tough one here. You, you cannot bet on Minnesota and Kirk Cousins in this game. You, can, you can't do it. You have to take Seattle. Well, I think, too, I, I really do. So Phelan, I think, is back. Uh, all caps. I think all caps. And the, the Seattle secondary is, is is not good. Obviously, they they were no. Look, the defense hasn't been good. That's no secret, right? So I think I think this is actually a team like unlike Philly last week, who it was obvious they had no. Their best receiver was a guy off their practice squad who led them in receiving that that week. So I think this is different, where you actually have real high level receivers to go along with a competent quarterback, and they can. They can take it. You're, go, you're going too. You're, go, you're going too deep. Here. You're being too smart. This is about PD and Russ and Owen. Well, I, I, look, it's, it's fine. I'm just saying, like when Crab Legs went to Seattle, like he killed these guys. I mean, he, <laughs> he made it look. He made he made it look easy. I mean, it was. Was it, it a prime time game? Was it a prime it, time it was, game? It was not a prime time game. So it, mm, it, there uh, you go. Okay. That look. That that is. There's something to it. It is an interesting stat. Um, it, it, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Hey. That's great. That brings us to the end of our 22-game uh, death march, and we get to the Power Five. And I am going to start. I'm going to do something that I normally want to do, but it's something when you have nothing left and you're you're <laughs> desperate. Is you guarantee victory? The Rams, the Lambs, <laughs> the Lambs. No, is is you make the guarantee it's, I, for no reason? Just you know, it's like Jim Fossil with the Giants, although they win the Super Bowl, I think. And uh, who is it? Like Rashid <laughs> Rashid Wallace with the Pistons, the guaranteed. Like you just start. They, hey, they won it that year, didn't they? I, they might have won it. So that like, you just, out of nowhere, when they're doing bad, is you know what? That's it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That's the, that's the only last. So. I am guaranteeing a winning week in the Power Five. That's what I'm doing right now. Um, I had the Lions <coughs> minus minus. Or, so, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. 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 I was like, you the Lions. Yeah, thank you. Hot start. Hot start for the guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Good guarantee. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Uh, Chicago minus four and a half. San Francisco plus six. The Browns minus two. Philly minus nine and a half, and KC minus ten over my Raiders. Those are the power five. All right, I'll go with mine. Uh, I'm riding the Jets minus three and a half. This playoff push is special. Uh, Green Bay minus six and a half. I'm with you. Cleveland minus two. Uh, I think opposite here, Baltimore minus six in Seattle, and Phoenix and prime time minus three. 
Oh, you just put PD in there. Okay. All right. All right. Well, of course. All right. Hey, it's, 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 it's I've it, met the man. I've met the man. He's a great man. Why wouldn't I put him in there? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fair. Good. That's it's a name drop. That's a name drop right there for you. If I, I'm going to put a siren sound effect in here when it comes up. Uh, okay, that that is the that is the mega board here, the mega 22 game sure. board. We did it. We made it through Thanksgiving week. Um, I, I was uh, very happy with our uh, our analysis and all the hot takes. Any parting shots? Just happy Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, and go green, of course. Okay, go, go green. <laughs> all right, buddy. That's right, a guarantee. And there's a guarantee that uh, the Bears are going to cover four and a half against David Blau. <laughs> um, and also, uh, as the a lubed up doctor <laughs> mentioned, uh, a happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, and uh, please DSRR. Throw a, a rating, subscribe to it, uh, download, all that stuff. We really do appreciate it. All that stuff matters. We look at everything. So uh, appreciate all that. I hope you have a great holiday. I will be back personally for a Saturday night DraftKings CFB post. Look for that late Friday, early Saturday morning. Um, and yeah, this was great. And good luck to you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving to you and your family. Oh, yes, I realize what I just did. Heaven help me. Goodbye.